Welcome to the Proceedings Podcast. I'm Bill Hamlet, the Editor-in-Chief of Proceedings at the U.S. Naval Institute. And welcome back to Tailhook 22. We're here in Reno, Nevada at the famous Nugget Casino and Convention Center. And uh, I'm super excited today to have a J.O. Naval Aviator with us. Lieutenant Mark Gibelli, call sign Tugboat, who is a repeat offender as a proceedings author, and he's got an article in the September issue of Proceedings. It's called Trust But Verify, Building Aviator Relationships with Artificial Intelligence. And uh, so Tugboat, welcome to the show. Thank Great you. to have you. Thanks for having me. It's and um, I, I got to mention that you're, um, you've got a co-author on this That's article. Right, yeah. Uh, Christian Heller, mm-hmm. and so you guys met in grad school. You were on uh, scholarship programs over in Oxford in England, and uh, you met. Uh, he's a Naval Academy graduate. You teamed up on this article. He's also a repeat offender with uh, with proceedings, but it's a great article about technology, about unmanned, about artificial intelligence, about about trust. Right? Really, it's about trust and, and the ability of naval aviators to trust their aircraft, to trust each other, and also in the future to trust the artificial intelligence that's going to be driving the future aircraft. So uh, just what, what caused you to write this? Yeah, so Chris and I, uh, like you said, became good friends in graduate school. and. Uh, after leaving the Marine Corps, he started working at a, an AI company, and we started to have conversations about uh, the emerging technologies that were coming to naval aviation, uh, and in particular, the autonomous systems that were going to be driving these platforms. Because okay. while we're pretty familiar with the aircrafts themselves, really it's the core, it's the brain, it's the AI, the algorithms that are there. And what we wanted to try and get our head around was how do manned air crews build trust with these systems, and what are the dimensions of trust? And, uh, you know, we're both barbecue fans, so over a couple beers and some brisket, we, we sort of realized that the foundations of trust are already built into naval aviation. You know, the way that we produce aviators in flight school, uh, the way that we have, you know, repeated interactions in squadrons between wingmen and leads, uh, and just the syllabus itself is designed, and, you know, wings of gold are an institutional symbol of trust. So we want to think through what does that look like with an autonomous system and how do we get air crews to uh, begin to have that same level of trust in these platforms that are going to be critical to you know, winning the future fight against China or other peer threats? Uh, so you're flying a Super Hornet, the Rhino. That's right. You're in a squadron, uh, the Top Hatters. That's right. Just, oldest and boldest, VFA-14. Just back from deployment on uh, Lincoln. That's correct. Seven-month deployment, Western Pacific. Yeah. Uh, so you're up close and you know, personal with the Chinese from time to time during that deployment. Um, but the, you know, the Rhino, the Super Hornet, you know, it, it, there's a lot of lot of technology in that aircraft, right? There's a lot of capabilities now. There's precision landing modes. So you, how do you build the trust as a young aviator in that very complex machine? That's a great question. The this starts from day one, and this again is a credit to naval aviation of thinking through what is a what does a really robust pipeline look like? You know, over a hundred years of carrier aviation. How do we train the world's best pilots and? Systems knowledge is day one between you know the human and the aircraft. So understanding what are the systems, how do they function, uh, what are known failure modes, and how do you react as a pilot? And what that gives you is confidence to you know understand that the system is going to degrade gracefully when there is an error. And having that knowledge and that transparency into the system uh, gives you the confidence on day one. 
then from there, before every flight, there's standard pre-flight checks that we do. We do built-in okay. tests. We do, you know, you have the sign-off of a really experienced maintenance chief who was looking through and saying that the proper pre-flights have been done. So um, there are multiple little steps along each way that help you build trust that that automation is going to function. And then the jet will tell you when, hey, I'm operating in a degraded mode. And then you learn to deal with those sorts of contingencies. Um, and no matter what the system is, whether it's the flight control system, you know, the fuel system, the hydraulic system, uh, the knowledge combined with that ongoing transparency into the system is what gives you the confidence to have an ongoing mental model of, of where's my aircraft, how's it functioning, and how's it going to react when I give it a command. Uh, and that is something that we want to extend and think about in context of an autonomous system, is how do you give manned aircrew that same transparency into an offboard wingman, okay. uh, into a system that, that is not resident on board, but you still need it to perform in a reliable and consistent manner. So there's a, the opening picture in your article is a picture of the, the Boeing MQ-25B yeah. refueling uh, an F-35 and a, and a Rhino, mm -hmm. right? And uh, so this is the, the sort of case study. It'll be the first aircraft that will be integrated with the air wing of the future. There's gonna be five of these uh, MQ-25s. They're gonna start out, the initial mission will be unmanned refueling. Right. So this will be a mission tanker, it'll be an overhead tanker, et cetera. Um, but this is an, an example of you know, you're, you're going to go plug in and get gas. Yeah. You got to trust that other aircraft, right? And that other aircraft is is piloted by an artificial intelligence. Right. Um, so what, what kinds of things do you see coming down in terms of, you know, your ability and, and your, your JO's, fellow JO's ability, your fellow pilot's ability to trust that offboard aircraft, that unmanned, uh, you know, aircraft that, that the, the manned, unmanned, you know, the, yeah. the, 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 the trusted wingman, I guess, if you would say it that way. Right. I think it's it's great that we're starting with refueling as a mission set for autonomous systems to integrate them into the air wing because uh, at this point, the Super Hornet has been doing a lot of buddy tanking missions uh, and they, you know, we saw this even on our deployment, they eat up a substantial number of the sorties, you know, yeah. to help provide that overhead, you know, refueling. If someone bolters and they need to go pick up some gas to, to stay airborne, that's critical and you have to have that overhead support, uh, not to mention extension of range. I mean, this article, this, uh, this issue of proceedings talks about the return of range and that's absolutely true that we need to be able to uh, go further with the aircraft that we have and to do that we need further and further aerial refueling systems. So uh, that's an enabler that is currently being satisfied by manned aviators but is good to offboard to autonomous systems. Now, to your question about what does trust in that look like, again, I think it looks a lot like the trust that we have today between repeated and consistent interactions with flight leads. You know, you start to get to know other pilots in the air wing, how they fly, uh, and in particular what they want to do and how they handle their aircraft, and you're going to have those same repeated interactions uh, with autonomous systems to develop that sort of trust. And I think that the earlier that we can do that is the better uh, for developing that long-term trust. So your article delves into the AI, the artificial intelligence that's going to power unmanned systems, and you list three categories or dimensions of trust with AI. What are they? And describe them a little bit. Just as uh, Chris's fantastic contribution to the article, because you know, as a, someone involved in AI, he, he has experience in understanding what are the dimensions that we need to uh, both have metrics for and then understand and communicate that to the user so they can have the confidence in that system. So the first one is AI performance, and that's to say, you know, is it operating at the speed of the tactical aviator? Is it going to be responsive to their commands? Because something that uh, takes too long to process 
or operates right of boom is not going to keep up. So uh, making sure that AI has the correct performance is one critical aspect. AI operations are the other one. A lot of this involves back-end support. So how does the AI learn? How do the algorithms develop and over time, how do you groom those algorithms to meet a commander's intent or an aviator's intent? Okay. Uh, and then the final one is ethics. You know, These systems are going to be operating as extensions of our air wing, which means that they're extensions of our values. Uh, and something that's something that the professionalism and ethics that aviators are inculcated with from day one. You know, what does it mean to wear wings of gold? It's holding yourself to those highest standards of, of Navy professionalism. And so how do we build those ethics into our systems? Uh, and if you can give crews confidence that the AI is operating in a robust manner across those three dimensions, I think that you've basically done the same thing with a student pilot. In your article, you give a, a training command example. Mm -hmm. So as you know, you went through pilot training at, at Pensacola and Texas, et cetera. Um, so the, what, what is the training command example that you use for, yeah. for sort of building that trust with unmanned systems? So the, the broader idea that we had was that uh, we just want to take the foundation of trust that, that is developed in every naval aviator through their flight school training and think about applying it to AI. Uh, and again, one of the metrics that we thought about was consistent and repeated interactions with autonomous systems because uh, how do you get that sort of trust? Familiarity and experience. So the mission of buddy tanking, of going to join on an autonomous aircraft, you know, the first time might seem like a novelty, but by the hundredth time, it's just routine. Right. So how do you get to that routine sooner? You might build it into the training pipeline itself. So, for example, in the T6, one of my first experiences flying formation was with a lead that was acting as a stable platform. So he okay. was trying to teach me how to uh, operate in close quarters to another aircraft, how to do so safely, and develop the monkey skills and the good sight picture of what am I looking for, what are my checkpoints. So those are relatively um, you know, simple tasks that a, an autonomous system that potentially flying a circuit in the sky uh, could be automated. And you could realize training efficiencies, you could realize, um, you know, put those instructor pilots to do other things, say like, you know, instructing more students and, and yep. build efficiencies there. Yep. But the other thing then, and the real benefit there is that uh, if you had that interaction as a student naval aviator joining an autonomous aircraft, then, you know, when you're doing it in the middle of the night, overhead the ship, and you're joining an autonomous aircraft, you know, it's something you've done a hundred times before, and it's routine, it's mechanical, you're comfortable with it. And that, by definition, is trust. So your article gives uh, several practical recommendations on how to, how to make, build this trust across the naval aviation enterprise. So what are, what are those recommendations? Well, the first thing Chris and I thought about was having a uh, robust certification process. And this is something that's going on right now where you tightly couple um, the system with whatever AI that it's going to be operating with. And again, this is more of an institutional level of trust that this, you know, you're, this is why we have, you know, developmental tests and these types of things that, yep. you know, give you confidence that the, the product you are being given as a fleet aviator uh, has been, you know, has been tested. It's a been lot wrung of, out. Exactly. Yeah. You know, the bugs have been worked out. Yep. And uh, that's an ongoing process. You know, there's feedback that's given to the test community who then takes it back and, and tries to develop it. And that conversation is something that we just want to make sure is, is built in. And again, uh, as a cultural cornerstone of, hey, you know, this system is here to support you. So how does it work? How can we make it work better to meet your needs? Um, the other recommendation was to build, uh, build it into syllabi. So whether in the fleet or in the fleet replacement squadrons or in the training commands, um, give naval student naval aviators uh, repeated interactions and you know 
maybe realize some training efficiencies there. Uh, and the final one was to identify additional specialties that could be used to support uh, the deployment of these aircraft in the fleet or these systems in the fleet. So, uh, you know, Chris and I developed ideas or talked about of, uh, you know, AI sustainers, AI explainers, uh, and these are folks who can you know, be maybe resident at the wing or at a higher echelon level to ensure that these systems are operating in a way that, uh, that is, again, up to those standards of you know, performance, operations, and ethics. Um, and that's where new billets like uh, the AVO or aerial vehicle operator, where you might have potentially have uh, warrant officers who are going through a modified flight school syllabus um, and then you know, potentially earning some sort of you know, wings of gold. Yep. Uh, you know, we have this already. We have different specialties. You know, we have naval flight officers, we have naval aviators, we have naval air crewmen, yep. all of whom earn their own types of wings of gold that that recognize the the specialty that they bring to the fight and that elevates that. And it's a cultural cornerstone as much as an institutional sort of trust. Uh, and so how do we integrate those? It's just, it's a conversation we need to have about what's that going to look like and how do we... The, the two biggest things that we wanted to focus on in this was that the integration of autonomous systems must be focused on being people-centric and it must be focused on lethality. First of all, is how do we have these systems support the warfighter? And the second is how do these systems make them more lethal? If we can get those two things right, trust will be a natural byproduct that comes of it. Uh, so as you talk with your uh, fellow JOs in a squadron and you know, you're, you think about the next five, 10 years of your career as a naval aviator, integrating new technology, integrating AI, machine learning, all these things. Uh, what are the things that, that uh, excite you? And what are the things that scare you? I think that there's enormous opportunities here. Um, and that's the conversations that, that I've had with my fellow JOs. Uh, and again, you know, folks in my cohort who see these, these platforms coming down the pipeline, uh, because the opportunity is to alleviate burdens on air crew to focus on more tactical missions, you know, whether they be air to air, air to surface, um, and then you know, offset a lot of those enabling missions that have become a requirement for operating the way that we do. There's huge opportunities there. Um, the real question, I think, and some of the stuff that, that we've been thinking about is, is can we integrate these in a, in a fast enough timeline to, to give us the advantage in a contest with China, which is the peer competitor that we're facing? And, right. uh, you know, we can be sure in the fact that they are seeking every advantage to offset our conventional advantage, whether it be unmanned systems or asymmetric systems. So we need to also be thinking in those same sorts of ways about how do we integrate these emerging technologies to offset what China is trying to do and make sure that our aviators are always going to win the day, uh, no matter what the fight. Uh, so last question, uh, and this is for one of the things we're, we've been trying to do is, is provide more content that ensigns can engage with, right? Yeah. Whether they're going to SWAS, flight school, nuclear power school, right? So uh, I want you to think back to Ensign Jabelli yeah. a couple of years ago before you went to, to, to be a student naval aviator. So now you're a, uh, a, a grizzled JO, you got a deployment under your belt, right? You've, you're a, a qualified LSO. So what would Lieutenant Jabelli tell Ensign Jabelli about being a, a, a naval aviator, being a Rhino pilot uh, in the future? Uh, you know, flight school has its own challenges, and I think that, that everyone confronts them. You know, the, the syllabus teaches you how to fly, but it's kind of on your own and, and on your instructors to teach you how to be a pilot. And being a pilot is about more than just the monkey skills. It's about 
being able to compartmentalize. It's about being able to prioritize. It's being able to maintain your bearing and your composure. Uh, and as you know, a lot of flight instructors say, have the memory of a goldfish, where you know something bad happens and you're like, okay, I made a mistake. I'm going to let that go and I'm going to focus on the next mission set because the airplane is still moving through the air, and you have to be. You can't be behind the airplane, as they yeah. say. So uh, the biggest thing there is just to to what I would tell myself going back is that the ultimate mark of a pilot is adaptability in the air. Learn those skill sets, it takes practice, follow the, the regimented, you know, that's how you learn by imitation. Yeah. But ultimately, what in the, in the aviators that I, you know, really uh, appreciate and aspire to and look at as role models to me, it's their adaptability. It's their ability to look at a situation, understand and internalize the mission set, the commander's intent, and even if the execution is slightly different from what was briefed, they do it in a safe, professional, and expeditious manner. Uh, and I think that's what makes us the best pilots in the world, is that we can cope with surprise. We can cope with uncertainty, and we do so to win the day every time. So our guest today has been Lieutenant Mark Jabelli, callsign Tugboat. Yeah. He is with uh, VFA-114, the top hatters. Yeah. And uh, just back from deployment on the Lincoln, so congrats on, uh, on a you. successful deployment. His article is in the September issue of Proceedings. It is titled, Trust But Verify, Building Aviator Relationships with AI. Uh, thanks for writing for Proceedings, and thanks for being on the show. Thanks for everything you guys do to sustain right. the forum. Appreciate Fantastic. It. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. All right, until next week, remember, victory begins at the Naval Institute. It's been terrific being here at Tailhook again this year. We look forward to being back next year.